Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. All right. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Don't you hate it when people do that? Um, My name is Derek, one of the pastors here. And uh, being Christmas, maybe you're doing one of those secret Santa things or name exchange. So you don't have to buy everybody a gift. You just get one in the family. You ever do that and you get that person? And by that person, I mean the one who gives great gifts. The one that you know, if they had your name, they'd go all out. They'd call your friends and family and ask what you need, what you want. They'll spend a lot of money. Then they'll wrap it all pretty and whatever. And you get their name and you're like, oh, now I got to do that for them. Right? And I'm not much of a gift giver. That's not one of my, my love languages or whatever. So for me, I get those people. I'm like, ah, oh, darn. You know, because there's a sense of paying them back. Or, or doing as good for them as they would do or are going to do for you. Or how about this? Somebody gives you a gift. Um, you're like, I didn't know they were going to give me a gift. I didn't get you anything. Um, or, oh, that's really good. It's not as good as what I got you. And, and you feel, ugh. Here's something about those people. Those gift givers, um, they don't do it, most of them, for the response. They do it because they care about other people. right? They do it because they, they love you and they want to do something good by you. And so when, when somebody like me is like, I didn't get you anything good, sorry, and I feel this, and they're like, no, that wasn't my goal. I didn't want to make you feel bad or, or in debt. I just wanted to bless you. Well, do you ever feel that way with the gifts that God gives? So God gives these great gifts, and of course, it's Christmas, and we're celebrating the gift of the Son. But do you ever have this sense of, oh, he's done so much for me, I need to do something for him, right? Like, I need to repay him for, for all these good things that he's given me. Do you ever just stop and just just say thank you? You know, that's what I want to focus on this morning and even this week. How about some of the stop and just say thank you? Now, now our lives after salvation should be in response from a heart change. Absolutely. But if you're like me, you might struggle with, with doing, right? I always want to, oh, I need to do more. I need to get it done. You know, God needs my help or something. Um, Rather, you know, Scripture makes clear God save us. Eternal life is that we know the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That's not a doing. That's a relationship. So this morning, let's try and and cut that part out, like the the doing part, and let's just focus on the Son. And let's just focus on, we're going to look at three gifts specifically that God has given us. And I'm hoping that we will hear about these gifts and then respond with worship, with thanksgiving, not with any to-do, right? No guilt. No religious response needed, no pressure, just enjoy. And so that's why the band is staying up here, because we're going to look at a gift, and then we're going to sing a song in response for you to meditate on that gift. You can sit. You don't have to sing however you want to respond. But this morning, let's worship with the focus on just be still. Chill out is is what it says in the Greek. Chill out and know that I'm God, (laughs) right? And just enjoy the gifts I have given you because I love you, not because I need anything in response. So with that in mind, let's start in chapter or in Luke chapter 2. Luke 2, what we're picking up right after actually this Advent reading that we had this morning. Um, so again, you can just listen if you want, or if you want to look it up and you don't know where Luke is, it's about there in your Bible, or the table of contents is your friend. Uh, but Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, and I want you to have this picture in your mind as we read and go through these, the manger scene. Uh, We don't have a nativity scene set up this year. We forgot or lost it. Um, 
but whenever we've set those up before, maybe yours are like mine, every time I walk by, the shepherds are always still on their knees. Like, they don't even change. Um, they just have this posture all Christmas season on their knees before Jesus. Let's try and have that posture, right? Just staying in this posture of worship um, as we look at what God has done. Luke 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now here's this first gift, the gift of a Savior. Right, you look at verse 11. Unto you is born to this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, we've been studying the book of Romans, and that's what we've been looking at, is that we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Why? Because we needed a Savior. We are born apart from God. Right? We are born in sin because our parents sinned. We have chosen to sin. We are separated. God is just and right when he says, I have no relationship with you, and you're destined for eternity apart from me. But because he loved us, he sent his son as a savior. Jesus came in flesh at a, a moment in time, at just the right time. We talked about last week, at just the right time, right? Jesus came. God took on flesh so that he eventually could be our savior. He could die on the cross. Your sin, and you know it, deserves death. My sin, I deserve death and separation from God. But because of Jesus, that's not what I get. Because of Jesus, I'm saved. And I get grace, and I get love, and I get eternity. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Have you thought about that? 
the Savior. When Jesus went to the cross, uh, the Bible uses a lot of words, right? Big ones, atonement, propitiation, redemption, all this stuff. Well, in all of that, there's this idea of a debt that needs to be paid. And Scripture makes very clear that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And so our sin has earned a debt that we can't pay. Have you ever had a debt that you couldn't pay and and you got bailed out? Uh, Fifteen years ago, um, we had just started a business, and so we hadn't thought of the whole insurance thing yet. Um, And we had this kid named Kayla. And so we're in the hospital, and out comes Kayla, and Callie's recuperating, um, and then they pull me aside, and they're like, and here's your bill, right? right? Maybe you've been there. And I, and I look, and I'm like, I thought, okay. Um, they said, but, oh, time out. You can save 20% if you pay right now. So, so the bill's still like 10 grand, but that's a lot less than, I think it was 15 or something like that, so do the math. Anyway, a big discount. I'm like, well, do you take Visa? They're like, we absolutely do, right? Yeah, I mean, they were so sweet. So we go home um, with Kayla and a little bit of debt on her. Now, I don't know if we didn't pay it, would they recollect? I'm not, you know, or repossess. Well, um, my, my parents heard about that, um, and, and in love, they sent us a check for $10,000, um, and so we were able to just pay that off, right? Uh, we, we paid the debt. It was a gift. By the way, don't loan family money if you can avoid it. Um, if you can, give it. <laughs> and so that's what my parents did. They gave us the $10,000. Now, then we truly owned Kayla Free and Clear because we were able to pay that off. Um, but in me, in me, there was a, I'm paying them back. I was thankful, obviously, saving the 18% interest, but I'm paying them back. And and God blessed us that next year. We were able to pay them back that year. They didn't ask to be paid back, but they didn't say no. (laughs) Um, But but they they didn't give it with that stipulation. They gave it with, it's a gift. And so the the thing in me to pay back, I think that's a good thing, right? And that was one of those. But sometimes a gift is just a gift. And I think when God gives us this gift of salvation, if we have this sense of, I'm going to repay you and earn a piece of it, that's wrong. Now, there is a little bit of a, now I belong to you, and and in love, I'm going to live different. We're called to be good stewards, time, talents, and treasure, but as a response, not as a a debt to earn, if that makes any sense. Not to repay, because by the way, you can't. You can't add anything to your righteousness. Jesus, his righteousness is enough. You can't do anything to make him love you more or less. Your salvation is a free gift given by God. And like I was saying, often a gift is just that, a gift. And our salvation is a free gift to be received by faith. Now, one of those ways I think we try and repay this this debt, you know, um, is through religious activity right, uh, going to church or, or whatever it is, I'm going to give a certain amount, trying to pay God back. The most anti-religious person ever was, was Jesus. Now, religious activity can be very, very good. It, you know, I mean, you read through all the scripture, there's a lot of religious activity God calls his people to do, but, but we do it in a heart of love in the relationship response, not a, oh, I'm, I'm repaying some of my debt by this religious activity, And so as we move into this song, I want you to just ponder. Picture Mary, when she heard those things, she just pondered those things in her heart. Everybody else was like, huh, I wonder. But Mary, there's just pictures. She pondered, she dwelt on it, she thought about that. As we sing this, just think about the fact that you are saved, it's fully free, and just say thank you. When I was in high school, uh, 17, 18, 
during the summers, I got a chance to go to Russia for two weeks each summer, uh, and we did camps for Russian orphans. Um, and, it, and it was like, I mean, a legitimate orphanage. So when you think like old-fashioned American orphanage, that's the way they still are. Um, and so these orphanages would bring all their kids to this camp location. And it truly was, I mean, dozens of kids with two adults trying to take care of all of them, uh, kind of a unique experience. But what came out of that was some of those in our church really got a heart for these kids, and so some of them were adopted um, and brought over to the States and brought into families. But what, what I noticed um, pretty across the board was those who were older, because some of these were 11, 12, 13 years old when they got adopted. Those who were older when they got adopted really had a hard time being part of the family. And it makes sense. Uh, in the orphanage, they really did. I mean, they shared clothes. So you fought for the clothes, <laughs> right? I mean, you had to fight for it. Uh, the first one to get to the food gets the most food. And so some of these kids came over, and they keep getting suspended from school, from fighting in the school. I mean, it's just what they knew. Or I've seen it in the States, those kids who were living on the street, and then they, they ended up getting adopted. And afterward, they want to go back to the street. And it's one of those, like, I just don't, I just don't get it. But they had trouble being part of a family, right? And I think we can struggle with that too because here's the second gift that we have, the gift of adoption. We've been adopted into God's family. Not only are we saved, but we're adopted and we might have this feeling of like, ooh, I don't really deserve to be adopted. You know, or, or, or I'm adopted, but I'm, I'm that one. You know, I'm the Harry Potter under the, the, the stairs, Right? Um, and I should be getting up and making the eggs for the rest of the family. Kind of this, the black sheep, you know, the one a little bit on the outside. But yet our adoption, as we see it biblically, is a full, complete adoption. And we might want to go back to the street, and, and we're going to continue in Romans, seeing our, our tendency to step away. But guess what? God is the perfect father, right? And so this gift of adoption isn't based on anything you do. Ephesians 1, I'm going to read verses 3 through 14 says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him... We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory." What do we see there? Adopted. We are adopted. Verse 5. He predestined us for adoption as sons. Now, don't be confused by the sons. That's sons and daughters, right? That, that's what, I mean, you can say mankind. That refers to men and women. So this isn't just men. But we are adopted as sons and daughters. 
predestined before the beginning of time. That means that God, before he made Adam and Eve, right, while he was still working on the goats, had you in mind. Before Adam and Eve, before sin happened, he knew sin was going to happen, and he knew you were going to exist, and he chose you to be part of his family. He didn't, he didn't wait for you to be kind of good. He didn't, he didn't look for your potential and then choose you. I mean, praise God. For me, I, I just look at this. God knew me, and he knew all of the junk in here that I hide from all of you. Um, he knew that, and he's like, my son, I choose him. Not because of anything special, but because of his love. Again, received by faith in Jesus, his death and resurrection. But We are adopted, perfect adoption. That's why the Bible often calls us uh, brothers and sisters of Christ. It calls Jesus the firstborn. Now, we sing songs here talking about some of these doctrines of our faith that we need to understand and believe. One is the virgin birth. Mary was actually a virgin. She wasn't kind of a virgin. Like, she was a virgin. Um, the Holy Spirit truly did conceive in her Jesus, the second member of the Trinity. So that, that's the other thing we believe as Jesus followers is the Trinity. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Good luck understanding that, you know? Uh, I mean, we'll try. They've tried for, for 2,000 years. Um, but God in three persons in that second one is called the Son because he truly is the Son of the Father, conceived in Mary and born in a human body. But he's also fully God. And as brothers and sisters, right, the son, th these verses in Ephesians talk about an inheritance, meaning we have an equal inheritance, an equal portion. You know, there's, there's scriptures that talk about, and you can argue if it's, if it's literal or not, but, but of a mansion that we're going to be in. And so you got a room in God's house, whether that's physical or, or symbolic, it, it's true. And the point of that is we got the same size room. <laughs> you know, there's not going to be like this really good religious person that gets a, you know, a suite um, and, and you get the cupboard under the, the stairs. No, we get equal inheritance. You know, Callie and I have a, a little bit of an understanding with this. Uh, when we got married, she had a son who was four. And I was never able to legally adopt him, but I, I adopted him. He's my son. You know, he's always been my son. He's an equal son. When we have meals, he gets an equal portion of the food, sometimes more, because um, he's a boy, and, and now he's 20, I don't know, old, uh, two, three. Um, but he's, he's my son. He took my name. I have no other sons, so he is the namesake. I, I was talking to my dad recently, um, and he talked about Brendan, you know, as his grandson. And he's like, well, he's our last chance to pass on the name. So I called Brendan. I'm like, hey. You're it, buddy. And he's like, no pressure. <laughs> but, but he is, although not blood, he, it would be a, technically my adopted son. He is fully mine, has my name, and will have an equal portion of the inheritance. Not because he's special. He's very special. But, but he didn't earn it. It's just the way it is. And I am so imperfect, right? My love is so perfectly imperfect, yet God's love is perfect. So God, when God adopts, oh my goodness, million times better than what I could ever, ever do. His love is perfect. And so when he adopts you, you truly are his son. You truly are his daughter, no matter what. You might stray, you might sneak out every now and then, and he'll come in and he'll whoop you because that's what good fathers do. But, he'll bring, but you still got your room. <laughs> you are adopted, you are his, he loves you, an equal heir. And as this passage begins in Ephesians 1.3, it says we are blessed. 
with every spiritual blessing. What does a good father do? Good father, good mother, gives every good gift to their kids. They're not going to withhold the good things, right, if it's going to be good for them. I mean, we might withhold cookies, whatever, when they're little because they don't need all the cookies. Um, but, but all the good things that we have, that we, we will give them to our God is the same way. Every spiritual blessing he wants to give you, he's not stingy, he's not holding it back, waiting for you to be good, right? He is, all of it is available to you because of what Jesus did on the cross. There's no repayment. There's no becoming worthy. You have a room in the house. You have the keys to the Bentley. Let's dwell on that while we worship. You can have a seat. <clears throat> you know, at Christmas, we're celebrating this gift of a son. You know, when Jesus came, he came God in flesh, fully God, fully human. And the Bible says he tabernacled among us. It's a weird way to say it. But throughout the Old Testament, God wanted to be with his people. And so he was with his people in the tabernacle. He had Moses, when they came out of Egypt, build the tabernacle, a place with the Ark of the Covenant where he could be present with his people. And above it, there was a cloud in the day, fire at night, to show the people, I am with you. And then they built the temple, and his presence moved into the temple. Well, when Jesus came, he came, God in flesh, and was among his people in a very unique way. Well, when he rose from the dead, when he ascended after that, he promised, he said, I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to give you another gift. They said, oh, you're leaving. No, don't go. Take us with you. He said, no, it's good that I go because I'm going to send a helper. And that helper is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells every single believer. So not only are you saved, eternally secure in him, not only are you adopted, brought into his family, but God says, now I want to dwell in you. That never happened before. In the Old Testament, God, in the form of the Holy Spirit, would come and go. Again, we're talking about the Trinity here. This is the third member of the Trinity, fully God, an equal part in, in the Godhead. And he would come and go. Samson was one of those. The Holy Spirit could come upon him, and he would do some great feat of strength. And then the Holy Spirit would leave. The Holy Spirit could come on David and, you know, for some purpose, and then the Holy Spirit would leave. Now... Christ has sent the Holy Spirit to indwell, and he no longer comes and goes. He stays in us. Romans 8, verse 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, I have heard something over and over over the last months. So this year is a little bit ridiculous. Uh, by the end of the year, we'll have, by the end of today, we'll have 36 baptisms. Is that right? 34, 34 baptisms. But I've heard something over and over from, from those who are getting baptized of, I feel different. Or, or I, I, I just want to show I'm closer to God. I, I feel, they feel his presence. That's the Holy Spirit. This sounds mystical, and it kind of is. But it's absolutely real that God comes to dwell in his people. And so in that, we will have encouragement, 
We will have love, hope, right? Confidence in times where you wouldn't think it. You know, our, our mission statement up there is about this abundant life only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. Another way that's said is that we walk in the Spirit. So God has this life over and over. I want to give you this great life as my sons and daughters. And the way he does it is by giving us the Holy Spirit to experience that life. Again, free gift. He doesn't come and go. He comes and he stays. It's almost as though when we're saved, right, uh, we're born again. That's what uh, Nicodemus, after Jesus, you know, when he was doing his ministry, he talked to this, this Pharisee. He's like, what must I do? He said, you need to be born again. Well, when we're born again, it, it truly is this picture of new life. And so when we receive the Holy Spirit, it's almost like we take a breath for the first time. And we experience a heart that was stone now becomes flesh and, and starts to beat. And we feel different. We love, we start loving what God loves. Doesn't mean we don't struggle, by the way. If you're hearing that and you're like, I have some struggles, welcome to the club. But we get the Holy Spirit who will stick with us, who will go with us in this life no matter what, with a new peace and a new joy. And again, you don't earn it. So as we sing now, thinking about the indwelling Holy Spirit, he's with us, he's here, he's in you, just say thank you. We're here now. Um, we, uh, we get the pleasure again as we are celebrating the birth of Jesus and, and, and life, we get to celebrate new life through baptism. Now, now, baptism is um, a, a rite, a ritual, however you want to call it, but it's the, one of those things that we are told to do when we place our faith in Jesus. As you look in the New Testament, uh, there is nowhere where somebody is saved, and then they're like, I need to go take a year-long class and then get baptized. They're saved, and then they look around for the water, because immediately they are baptized to show that they belong to God. Now, um, baptism doesn't save. Right? But it is part of conversion. There is something unique that does happen with baptism because we're, we're showing that we are united with Christ, this indwelling Holy Spirit, this new life. And so as we do it, we quote scripture saying, died with Christ, buried with Christ. And so we go under the water, symbolizing being buried in the grave and then raised to walk in newness of life. As Jesus came out of the tomb in a new glorified body, we are raised to truly walk in newness of life and dwelt with the Holy Spirit walking in a new way. And so that's what we're celebrating. So let's, uh, let's start with Bessie. You all right, Bessie? <laughs> Good to go. <laughs> Bessie's going to come up here. I got to talk to Bessie this morning. Um, and exciting. And, and some of our stories this, this, this morning are somewhat similar. Um, and just so you know, if you're, you're seeing this, we never require anybody to speak when they come up to get baptized. Um, I, we understand that the number one fear of most people is a fear of public speaking. So... Uh, Number two is death. And so we, ne we never require um, anybody to speak. And so those this morning have opted out of speaking, but I might share a little bit. Um, and so Bessie is one of those who, um, she was baptized younger. She was baptized before she knew what it was. It was one of those um, things where it was more of a, a ritual, more of just it's something you do and you're at a certain age and so you're supposed to rather than I do it. And so she's been a believer a long time. Um, you know, and she confessed her faith a long time ago and has wanted to walk with God and worked on that, but never taken the step. And, and she said that uh, since about 2010, she's realized, I need to do it, but I'm not sure where to do it. Um, and so she has taken the step to trust us today to enjoy this with her, of her showing everybody that she belongs to Jesus. Although her faith started a long time ago, this step of obedience is happening right now. 
So, if you would, let me help you into this tub here. It's right in front of you. Okay. Now let me have you turn around, if that's okay. Okay. 